Lord Jesus and Heavenly Father, we thank you all so much for the many, many things you've already blessed us with this day. Now the awesome opportunity to get back into your word and help us now as we study, as we pray in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen. When sad things happen to us or when strange things occur or when wondrous things occur, we may ask, why, Lord, why? Even whether it's something really great that's happened to you or something that's really bad that may be going through. Whichever it is, you might ask, why, Lord, why is this happening? Do I deserve this chastisement or do I deserve this blessing? As I've illustrated many times, it's as we have this such a narrow view of everything. It's like a big sheet up in front of your face and a tiny little pinhole, and you're looking through that pinhole. But the Lord knows everything all around us and of all time, past, present, and future. And we know that He is the Creator. He spoke everything into existence. Like it says in Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And then over in John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God, whose name was John. The same came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, that all men through Him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. There was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. It's one of the key things to look at. The Lord has reached out and revealed himself to everyone, whether they receive it or reject it. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him... To them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of the blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. That making flesh is what we celebrate at Christmas. Jesus Christ coming on to the planet and taking on a human existence some 33 years, and interacting with us, suffering on this planet as a human for us. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Grace and truth. That grace is that unmerited favor. The things that He blesses us with that we do not deserve. The things that He blesses us with that are so wondrous, sometimes we ask, why, Lord? And we got to know in Colossians, He also makes a reference to His power, His authority. Since He spoke everything into existence, it's all His. He can do as He pleases with it. It's like we were studying in Romans earlier about He's the potter and we're to clay. He can mold us into whatever He wants us to be. If we yield to Him, if we submit ourselves to Him, He will not force us. But when we acknowledge who He truly is and what He has done, like He proclaims in Colossians chapter 1, verse 16, For by Him were all things created, by Jesus Christ. 
He is the Word. So when you see in the Word of God where it says, The Lord said, that's Jesus Christ speaking. The Lord reads, For by Him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by Him and for Him. And He is before all things, and by Him all things consist. By His Word, everything is in existence. Everything. Let's look at this a little closer. The, The list of things that He points out here that the Lord has created. For by Him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible. He created all the angels even. He created every substance that we can see, even things that we cannot see. Whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. Interesting that he includes those threes. Those are civilizations. Those are world leaders. Those are nations that he has established, that he has created. And that may be one of the times when we say, why, Lord, why? Why have you created this or that evil nation that has been a plague of the planet or this or that evil leader that has caused so much chaos and destruction and death and suffering? Why, Lord, why? We don't always know why. We cannot always understand why. It's wonderful when he reveals that to us, when we can clearly understand why something has happened, such as things in our own lives that may be happening And then we can clearly see the results of and know the reasons why it's happening. Such as something you have done to yourself, for instance. Like uh, the illustration I give where if you're beating yourself in the head with a hammer and you have a headache, you know exactly why you're having a headache. You're hitting yourself in the head with a hammer. And then other times when something comes upon you that you haven't got a clue why it's happening. And those are the times... Sometimes we ask, why, Lord, why? Why is this happening? I cannot clearly understand why I'm going through this or why this has happened to me. And as I said, whether it be something good or bad, because there's many times he pours wondrous blessings upon us like, I haven't done enough to deserve the many things he's given us. And in other times, hardships come upon you. What have I done wrong? Where have I messed up? Why is this happening? Don't always know. Sometimes it's clear to understand, but other times we just don't know. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul was actually going through this. Paul was dealing with something he he identifies as a thorn in the flesh. It's been interpreted many different ways. But let's look at it here, picking it up in chapter 12, verse 7. And lest should I be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh. See, if you were living such a life that everything was perfect for you, your health, your wealth, your relationships with others, your relationship with God, if it was perfect you would have a tendency, just as Paul's referring to here, to start thinking of yourself as such a wonderful person that you are so great that all this stuff is happening to you. And start giving yourself credit for the good things that you're going through. 
thinking, I have been so faithful. I have been so loyal. I have been so hardworking that I am enjoying all these blessings. And you start getting puffed up with pride and arrogance. And that's what Paul was referring to here. Lest that happen to him because he had been blessed with so much, even though he had by this time suffered a great deal as well, but he was looking at the blessings. He says, a thorn in the flesh was given to him. It says, the messenger of Satan to buffet me means to smack him around, lest I should be exalted above measure. Like every once in a while we need an attitude adjustment. It comes in different ways. Here he's referring to something that was dreadful, that he said this is of Satan. Now this has been interpreted as possibly an agonizing demon that would mess with him at times. And others have said that this was a physical ailment an actual physical ailment that Paul was dealing with that he had to carry about and he didn't get healing for. It could be that as well. We're not given that exactly because if we were given that exactly, then we would only apply it to that. But this is given in a vague way so that it can be applied to anything that you are going through that you would blame Satan for or that you would count as something bad that is happening to you. Whatever it may be can apply to what Paul is teaching us here. Let's read verse 7 again. And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan, to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice. Three times he came to the Lord and asked that that be taken away, that that be removed, whatever it was, that it might be departed from me. And he, the Lord, said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee. That means the things I've already given you that you don't even deserve is sufficient for you. Be appreciative of that. My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. What does it mean there? When we are weak, when we are suffering, when we are in need, we turn to the Lord for assistance. When we receive that assistance from the Lord, then we can glorify Him, be thankful for that, and be strengthened by that, knowing that He's right there with us, seeing us through whatever challenge it may be. But then at the same time, there's things that you're going to carry around. He said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Notice, even though he's carrying around a problem, whatever that problem was, we could apply it to different ways. If you still have that problem, it's like Paul did. You've prayed over and over. You still got it, still carrying it around. You can still glory in that. You can still bring honor and glory to the Lord in that. To still be thankful. To still love the Lord. To still seek the Lord. Even though He might not have taken care of everything you wanted Him to take care of exactly like you wanted Him to do it. Because we've got to know He's the one in charge, not us. Because therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. He gets into a whole list of various things now, not just 
physical ailments, which would have been infirmities, but also the persecutions, the hardships, the challenges that we face each and every day. It's through those, when we lean on the Lord, when we trust in Him, not in ourself or our self-righteousness or our own works, but leaning on the Lord, then we are made strong in the Lord, by the Lord, from His power, His might. Verse 11, I am become a fool in glorying, ye have compelled me, for I ought to have been commended of you, for in nothing am I behind the very chiefest apostles, though I be nothing. Here he's humbling himself. Truly, the signs of an apostle were wrought among you in the all patience and signs and wonders and mighty deeds. For what is it wherein ye were inferior to other churches, except it be that I may myself was not burdensome to you? Forgive me this wrong. Behold, the third time I am ready to come to you and will not be burdensome to you, for I seek not yours, but you, for the children ought not to lay up for the parents, but the parents for the children, and I will very gladly spend and be spent for you, though the more abundantly I love you, the less I be loved. But be it so, I did not burden you, nevertheless, being crafty, I caught you with guile. Did I make a gain of you by any of them whom I sent unto you? See, Paul was dealing with a particular issue with the church at Corinth. The church at Corinth was one of the most corrupt and infiltrated with all kinds of bad behavior. And Paul's talking about how he's not going to be a burden on them. And he also teaching them about the things that they're going through and letting them know that they can trust in the Lord and that even if it's good things or bad things and that he himself is not going to be a burden upon them because of the things that he's going through, and then try to blame it on them or make it be their burden, whether it be the physical infirmity or whether his personal needs and challenges. So we all individually need to look at ourselves, not try to pass the blame or pass the burden on to someone else. Because that's what Paul was talking about here. The things he's going through, the efforts that he's making, going out there preaching and teaching the gospel and the persecution and the torture and treatment that he had had, he couldn't go back and say, well, if I wasn't doing this to help this church out, then I wouldn't have gotten all this horrible, torturous pain and suffering, so therefore it's your fault. So we got to understand that there's a lot of things going on we just don't know what's the cause. And we can't turn around and try to blame it on somebody else. We can't take our burden of being a Christian and then blame the church. That if that church hadn't taught me about the Word of God, if that church hadn't brought me into salvation and baptized me, then I wouldn't be a Christian and go out here and get persecution. Well, that's what Paul was talking about here. The various things that Paul had to go through, as he listed up there, the infirmities, the reproaches, the necessities, the persecutions, the distresses, for Christ's sake. For Christ's sake. Not for that particular church at Corneth's sake. Reminding them as well and teaching them. All right, now let's look at Job. In Job, he started to get kind of an attitude. He was suffering so much. And then he finally starts to complain a little bit. 
He never cursed God, but he did do a little bit of complaining. And the Lord responded to him in chapter 38, verse 4, just one verse here. Where was thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare if thou have understanding. If we were there, if we were a part of it, if we knew everything, then we could make a complaint because we'd have full understanding. But we don't have full understanding. We need to have the clear and simple understanding of what we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. We'll turn over there where he teaches us that he spoke us into existence. He controls everything, even our situations, whether they be wondrous or burdensome, like Paul was going through with the church at Corinth. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, two verses here, 19 and 20, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? We are not our own. It's not that is my body, I can do with it as I please, like Satan would have you believe. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Therefore, we... humble ourselves and we turn to the Lord and we ask for forgiveness and we ask for clarity and we ask for understanding we ask for His will to be done in our lives. His will be done. We come to Him as a hunk of clay, humbly come to Him and say, Lord, mold me into whatever You would have me to be. Not, Lord, let me be the best me I can be. No way. Lord, let me... Be what I am. No, we are all a bunch of filthy sinners. It isn't you got to sit down and determine your destiny for yourself, your path in life. Like, I want to do this. I, I, I. No. It's, Lord, what do you want me to do? Not what do you want to do. It's what the Lord wants to do. The model prayer, thy will be done, Lord. Not our will, but his will be done. And that's one of the big things that is being twisted around and taught and piled into the children's minds today is to be yourself and all this craziness that's going on in the world. Not all of it, but a big portion of it is all around that selfishness. I, I, I. I want to do this for me, my my choices, my body. I want to do this. No, no, no. We got to say, Lord, Get myself out of the way. Let you come forward. I'm a hunk of clay. Mold me in whatever you would have me to be. Not what I want to be, but what you want me to be. Then you wind up growing to the point that what you want to be is what the Lord wants you to be. Then you have matured as a Christian. Because then your desires align with the Lord's desires. Your full focus should always be to get in perfect alignment with the will of the Lord, not your own will. And then you'll be the happiest because then your will and His will match up when you got it right. 2 Corinthians 
chapter 4, just a couple of verses here, talking about some of the things, the afflictions that we might be going through. Paul here, once again, teaching the church at Corneth, reads, For our light affliction, the light affliction, he's just saying, even though the horrible things that he's been going through, out there teaching and preaching, all the persecution, I mean, he was stoned, he was beaten, he was torturously treated many times. He got bit by a snake one time, a viper, I mean, shipwrecked and it says, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment. One of the keys there. But for a moment. This life is flying by so quickly. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal but the things which are not seen are eternal. When we got our eyes on the next step, when we got our eyes on everlasting life, when we got our eyes and our thoughts and our desires on that, then we're on the right pathway. Then we're really doing it right. Rolling right into chapter 5. For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, talk about our physical body, we have a building of God. And house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven. When you're having those aches and those pains and those woes, you have that groan like, oh, I'm really going to look forward to that glorified body. And we do. And that will help us even appreciate it more when we get that. Verse 3. If so be that being clothed we shall not be found naked, for we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened, not for that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon, that mortality might be swallowed up of life. Now he that hath wrought us for the selfsame thing is God, who also hath given unto us the earnest of the Spirit. When we truly latch on to the knowing that the Holy Ghost is within us. That's a gift. That's an earnest, which means a down payment. Just a sample of what we're going to have for eternity in the relationship with the Lord. Therefore, we are always confident. Are you always confident? Do you have that hope within you, which is that confident anticipation and expectation of the fulfillment of the prophecies and promises of God? Do you have that? Therefore, we are always confident, knowing that whilst we are at home in the body, while we are here in this physical body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Going back to that groaning and moaning because we have this physical ailment, but we're looking forward to and knowing that when we leave this body, we're going to be with the Lord for eternity. And that is so wondrous. That is so awesome that He's given us that. Wherefore, we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of Him. That's our goal, to be accepted, to be found without spot and blameless. 
For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that every one may receive the things done in his body, according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. What have you done with the body the Lord has given you? Whether it's a great and awesome body that is healthy and strong, or whether it's a body that's afflicted with some kind of an ailment, whatever it may be, what have you done with it? Have you used the blessings of the Lord properly? Have you been a good steward? Because that's basically basically what we all are, is stewards of the Lord's body because it belongs to Him. It's kind of like having a rental car, like I was saying before. You turn that rental car in, you tore it up, you got to pay for it. Same thing. We've got to take care of this body. It's a loaner from God. It's His, not ours. In Isaiah chapter 55, verses 8 and 9, when it comes to all this piling on to us, trying to ponder, what is this? What is that? Why, Lord? Why? Why is this happening to me? Isaiah 55, verse 8, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, words of the Lord. Neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So far beyond what we can comprehend, so far beyond what we can understand. But know that the closer that you get to the Lord and the more in alignment that you get to His will, the clearer it's going to come to you. That little pinhole that you're looking through in that sheet will start to open up and He'll give you more and more of a view of what His will is for you and why things are happening to you. In Romans chapter 11, in verse 33 through 36, Talking once again about the mind of the Lord. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are His judgments and His ways past finding out. For who hath known the mind of the Lord? Or who hath been His counselor? Or who hath first given to Him and it shall be recompensed unto Him again? For of Him and through Him and to Him are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. That verse 35 there is an interesting one. Let's look at that one again. Who hath first given to Him and it shall be recompensed unto Him again? And like who can say that I have done so much for the Lord that He owes me this or that? You can't do it. We could live a thousand lifetimes over and never deserve what He's already blessed us with. Life itself and everlasting life by grace. Unmerited favor. Not that, Lord, you owe me this or you owe me that. No one can say that. And like you said, His thoughts are beyond our thoughts, beyond our ability to comprehend. Even the most trusting and loyal servant of the Lord has still not reached that full understanding of the thoughts of God, of His ways, of His will. Can't be done. James chapter 4 lets us know, if you are suffering, if you are wailing and moaning and having some problems and concerns, you can take a little bit of comfort in this. In James chapter 4 verse 7 through 15, Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. 
If you truly submit and something that's going on in your life is because of the devil, fully submit to the Lord, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Draw nigh to God. It means draw close to God. And He will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hearts, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. That double-minded, that means thinking about God's will, think about your own will. Which one are you going to go by that day? Oh, well, now I think I'm just going to do my own will. Well, on the Sundays I'll do the Lord's will, but every other day of the week I'm going to do my own will. Back and forth, double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and wait. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and He shall lift you up. That's what Paul was talking about earlier. He didn't want to be too exalted, thinking, look how great I am, how wondrous everything is in my life. It's because I'm such a holy and loyal person. No, you've got to humble yourself. Lord, thank You for Your many blessings. Speak not evil one to another, brethren. He that speaketh evil of his brother and judgeth his brother speaketh evil of the law and judgeth the law. But if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who art thou that judgest another? See, when we start looking at somebody else who's having a hard time, just like those so-called friends came to Job, and started saying, all this stuff is happening to you because you're a sinner. You did something wrong, and this is coming upon you. You cannot look at somebody's life and say that. Go to now, ye that say, today or tomorrow, we will go into such a city and continue there a year, and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time, and then vanisheth away. For that ye ought to say, If the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. When we really know our life is just a vapor, and we really focus on what the Lord wants us to do each and every day, totally humble ourselves, yield ourselves to Him, submit ourselves to Him, resist the devil, He'll flee from us, give Him all honor, all glory of all the many blessings that come upon you, as well as thanking Him even for the horrible things you might be suffering or going through that just does not seem to go away. Get the strength through that. Use that to reach others out there as well. When you truly do that and truly reach out to others, you can be a benefit to them. In Isaiah 41.10, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. The Lord is with us, going to see us through all the challenges that we face. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. His righteousness, not ours. Don't get puffed up in pride and arrogance when you have wondrous things happen to you. It's by grace. And don't be down and burdened and saddened or turned against God when something bad's happening to you. There's a reason for it. We don't always understand the reason for it. We might ask, why, Lord, why? But always humble yourself. And don't worry if you don't get an answer of why, Lord, why. Just keep on doing what you're supposed to do. Submit yourself to Him. 
Hang on for the ride. Let's pray. Lord Jesus and Heavenly Father, we thank You oh so much for the many words of wisdom that we can find when we study Your Word. Help all of us take this, that it be comforting to us that when we are receiving the blessings or when we are receiving the chastisement or the afflictions, whatever they might be, that we can always bring You all the honor, all the glory, not to ourselves. Thank You oh so much as we pray in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen.